There's probably been times where you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. You felt so close to God. You felt that God was using you maybe in a certain situation. But they're few and far between, it seems, right? Why is that? Would you open your Bible this evening, please, to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 5. Ephesians, chapter number 5. Two Wednesdays ago, I began a small series with you entitled, Living the Victorious Christian Life. And that is the title of this series I would like to continue. I do believe there's a reason why so many of us Christians tend to live ho-hum lives. I do not believe that's the will of God. I don't believe you'll find the word ho-hum in the, the Bible. When we were in Hawaii, we met a man named Haha, but I don't think you'll find a ho-hum uh, in, in God's perfect will for you and for me. We tend to see very few answers to prayer. We tend to experience little victory. We tend not to have much in the way of spiritual power. And, of course, the Bible. Our reading of the Bible can become sort of mechanical and not, uh, not a, an experience or a journey, if you will. It doesn't seem to excite us. The Christian life is essentially, if you had to boil it down, it's Christ living in us. That's the Christian life. It's Christ's life living in us and through us. And he alone is able to live it. And I believe with all my heart that there is joy in the presence of the Lord because the Lord knows all about joy. Jesus is full of joy. And when Jesus lives, he lives a life of joy. He lives a life of power, a life of victory. He's always on the sunny side of the street. It's wonderful to have such an amazing Savior. Well, how come we're not cashing in on a little of that? Well, I'd like to address that tonight. I think that um, we who have received Jesus Christ as Savior, we often will suffer at the hands of the world, the flesh, and the devil. And life can become rather ho-hum. It can become a drag. Some days can we, oh, we dread looking forward to Mondays. Sometimes, oh, we just wish it would stay Sunday forever and Monday would never come because it means having to get back to a situation that we left and it was very threatening. And that is um, often what we experience as Christians. Well, I would like to try and see if we can do something to help change that. There is no reason why we need to continue in lives that are ho-hum or dreary. Um, I believe that we can see great changes. Now, two weeks ago, we dealt with the platform issue that's preventing the victories in our lives. And that was the, the issue of personal sin. Personal sin is something that every one of us has to struggle with. Um, 
it would be wrong of us to say that there is zero sin whatsoever in our lives because we'd be either liars or we would be deceived. One of the two. Uh, Truth is, we struggle with uh, bad habits, bad thoughts. Um, We struggle with fulfilling promises we've made. You see, sin is basically two types. There's the type you commit, and then there's the good things you want to do, but you don't do. Like You you said you were going to show up, or you've broken promises, and um, you, you promised the Lord you were going to read the Bible, and you didn't do it. So the good things that we know to do and don't do them, that's one way of sinning, like broken promises. Of course, the other way is the more familiar way, and that's when we do things, go places, see things, listen, you know, entertain sinful thoughts, say things we shouldn't. That's the, uh, the doing part of sin. So sin is very deceptive, and it's something that we have to deal with. We have to be able to recognize it. We have to repent of it. We have to reject it. You say, well, what about a habitual sin? You know, there's certain sins you commit maybe two or three times in your lifetime. There are certain sins you commit two or three times a year. There are certain sins you commit two or three times a day. Very habitual. What do you do about things like that? Will God really forgive after we've committed the same sin twice, three times already today? And we're going to God and asking again for forgiveness for the same sin? And the answer is yes. Don't ever let the devil fool you into thinking that God is not wanting to forgive you. You had your first strike, second strike, third strike, you're out. Don't ever think that way because our Heavenly Father knows how weak we are. Now, at the same time, I hasten to say, don't ever think you can presume upon God's goodness. Well, God will just forgive me anyhow, so I'll just rat ta 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 all my sins and lots of them. Don't think that way because you would be an erring child and God would have to take you in hand with some stern measures. And this may be why some Christians experience some awful, horrible sorrows. Now, I'm not saying that horrible sorrows are a direct result of sin, but I'm saying they can be. And we see evidence of that in the Bible. We see also evidence of godly people who've been called upon to go through some deep waters and some, some real heartaches. Um, but it's very important that we deal with that platform issue. And we dealt with that two weeks ago. Well, tonight, I want to deal now with another area that's going to help us a lot. And that's the, the filling of the Holy Spirit, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Now, with your Bible open at Ephesians chapter number five. I'd like to ask you to stand with me. We're going to read one verse. It's verse 18. We'll read that together and then we'll have a short word of prayer and then you may be seated. So let's begin with reading. Verse 18, here we go. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Heavenly Father, help us to understand this subject We've dealt with it before. Most of us, maybe all of us, have read about it in the scriptures. So please give us some deeper understanding tonight. Help us as we 
recognize sin, repent from sin, reject sin. Help us now to go on to this second major step, this filling of the Holy Spirit. Father God, I ask your help as I try to teach it. Who am I to teach such an amazing subject? Father, have the Holy Spirit be our teacher. Speak with our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Well, we're told very, very clearly in this verse what not to do and what to do. The Apostle Paul is using um, drunkenness as sort of um, an illustration of someone being controlled by something within them. And I think we're all familiar with this, where if you drink enough um, ethyl alcohol, there's two kinds of alcohol, they say, ethyl and methyl. Have you heard of this? Some of you have, of course. Some of you know more about this than I. I mean, the chemistry of it. But methyl is the type that'll kill you. So um, ethyl, the way I learned the difference is someone said, well, if you drink with, with ethyl, that ethyl is also a woman's name. So you, you drink with ethyl. We don't drink with ethyl, folks. And we don't drink. We stay away from that stuff. Stay away from ethyl and stay away from methyl. You'll live longer. <laughs> but when someone drinks a lot of ethyl alcohol, uh, it has a very chemical effect on the body and the brain. And you get all of these uh, symptoms that go along with it. Now, um, part of my hall of shame, you know, in my ancient history is I used to drink before I came to know the Savior. I used to drink. And my purpose of drinking was to get drunk. That was why I did it. And these are things I'm definitely not proud of. But it's all part of my dark past and history that's forgiven and under the blood, and I'm so thankful. But I know that when someone starts drinking, then their reaction time slows down their speech can start to slur. Their brain can feel foggy. They can start feeling numb. In the book of Proverbs, we have a description given about when someone uh, gets inebriated, gets drunk. They've drunk too much and they feel like they're floating and they can be hit. Pow! They don't feel it because they're numb. What some surgeons have had to do in parts of the world and over the last couple thousand years is when they've had to, you know, cut off a leg or something, they would make the patient drunk. They'd feed them a lot of alcohol and so that they're kind of out of it. Then they'd go ahead with their, their surgery, whatever they have to do. But, uh, you know, if that alcohol wasn't in them, they wouldn't behave that way. Sometimes people can behave very, very nice. They can get alcohol in them and all of a sudden they're the nicest person in the world. Other people, they get alcohol in, in them and then they're the rudest person in the world. The most obnoxious person in the world. I knew a man in our uh, church in Ontario and I was able to lead him to the Lord and he was telling me some about his life when he lived in the Toronto area. And how he would get drunk. And he said this one particular time. 
he was so drunk. He said that he got into a barroom fight with a guy and the guy kept punching him in the face as hard as he could. And this fellow who was short and stocky, he had big bones and everything. He said to me, I just stood there and pow, pow, I, I could hardly feel it. <laughs> you know, he had a severely broken nose when I knew him. His nose was almost flattened completely to his face. And I think it was because of those barroom fights. So once again, stay away from Ethel. So anyhow, when the alcohol goes in, sometimes they act different. Uh, sometimes they become very honest. Sometimes they become very weepy. Sometimes they become very angry. And they turn into a, what we would call a Jekyll and Hyde, you know, a real change in personality and they become horrible people. And all this is because of what's inside them, controlling them. And Paul is using this as an example and he says, you don't want that. You don't want to have anything to do with that stuff. Rather, you want the Holy Spirit to control you. Now, being Holy Spirit controlled is not something that we are used to. Many of us have been Christians for years and years and years, decades even. We've been saved a long time. How often have we been Holy Spirit controlled? The Charismatics, the Pentecostals and Charismatics, take this teaching and they really run with it. And they say, man, when you're Holy Spirit controlled, you'll be able to jibber-jabber in other languages and heavenly languages. You'll be able to bounce off the walls and run across the ceiling. You'll be able to leap tall buildings when you're Holy Spirit controlled. You'll be able to do all kinds of miracles and things. This is not true. This is not the case. God doesn't want us bouncing off the walls and running across the ceiling. That doesn't bring him glory. He wants to be able to do mighty, wonderful things through us. But listen, how many people in the Bible had the strength of Samson? Now, you know Samson was Holy Spirit controlled when he exhibited that power, right? There was a time when he got his hair cut and lost all of his Holy Spirit power. But when the Holy Spirit was on him, he was an unstoppable force. How many people like that have you read about in the Bible? Were there two Samsons? Some of you are looking at me for the answer. The answer is how many? Just one Samson. Just one Samson. You'll find that these great men and women of God, there was only one of them. One of them. There was only one Apostle Paul. It's all God needed. But God is looking for people through whom he can do wonderful things. And I'm not talking about, you know, great feats of strength and, and things. There was only one Solomon who had so much wisdom. There's only just the one, the one guy. You think, oh, why? Why can't we? Because that's not God's plan. God wants to show himself strong. And by the way, look where all of Solomon's wisdom got him. He ended up separating himself from God. Imagine that. Look at all of Samson's strength and where it got him. It got him in the bed with the wrong women and he got his hair cut and his eyes gouged out and ended his life in a suicide. Not so good. 
No, God has better things in mind for us. The filling of the Holy Spirit is something that we're not used to. In my life, I've had numerous times where I've been filled with the Spirit and have known it. But there's been numerous times in my life where I have not been Spirit-filled. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor or a missionary or an evangelist or any kind of full-time Christian worker. If you are saved, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, we want to make sure that we all understand this. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is a person. He is the third person of the Trinity. We know that from different scriptures, but in Acts chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, the apostle Peter, speaking to Ananias, he said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie, L-I-E, to lie to the Holy Ghost? And then in verse 4, he says, Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. The Holy Spirit is being called God. There are numerous uh, references to uh, the attributes of the Holy Spirit and their divine attributes. He has all power. He has all knowledge. Hmm? He is omnipresent. He's everywhere. So only divinity have these qualities and the Holy Spirit is divine. He is the third person. He's as much and more of a person than I am, than you are. He is a person. And now here's the exciting truth is that when you got saved, the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you. And I want you to see this. If you would turn back to the left to the book of Romans chapter number 8. Romans chapter number 8. You all have that? Let's read together verse number 9. Now, folks at home, I hope you have your Bible open to Romans chapter 8, verse 9. It's important that you read along too, because faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And as we speak the Word of God, it helps increase our faith. So I encourage you, read along with us. Verse number 9, let's go, let's do this. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. This verse teaches plainly, if you do not have the Holy Spirit, you are not saved. The moment you were saved, the Holy Spirit came and took up residence within you. You have him. He has promised as God never to leave you nor forsake you. So you will have the Holy Spirit in you until you get home to glory. That's good to know. We have this blessed, wonderful third person of the Trinity living physically inside of us. Now, inside of us, of course, we've got all of our, our organs and blood vessels and bones and our gizzard and all of these things that are underneath the skin. But we also have a spiritual aspect. There's our soul. Now, that's the person within the body. We also have a spirit that is like an angelic being given to us at the moment of conception. You are a body, a soul, and spirit. So you have all three ever since the moment of conception. Body, soul, spirit. When you got saved, you were then given the Holy Spirit. 
our charismatic friends and Pentecostal friends try to teach that you have to receive the Holy Spirit after your salvation. Subsequent to being saved, you must receive the Holy Spirit. That is not true. They also, by the way, believe you can lose them. They also believe you can lose your salvation. Both of these are are horrible uh, mistakes. The truth is we are kept secure by the almighty hand of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord for that. If it were up to us to maintain our salvation, we wouldn't get past day one because we'd have some impure thought. We would say something out of place and the devil would make sure of it. So no, praise the Lord. It's not us trying to hold on to him. Praise the Lord. It's him holding us in his hands, almighty hands. Wow, what peace and joy can be ours. And now we can relax and we can start living the way the Lord wants us to live. But we have this wonderful Holy Spirit inside of us. Now, the difference is, we have the Holy Spirit in us. But how much of us does the Holy Spirit have? That's why we give ourselves to God on a regular basis. We had a consecration Sunday just a few Sundays ago. And the place was packed at the front. I don't know if you remember it. All of us getting on our knees and giving ourselves once again formally to God. Folks, we need to do that every day. That's not a once a year um, experience. That's an everyday kind of experience. Now, I said it before, I'll say it again. The filling of the Holy Spirit. That's where the Holy Spirit takes over and he's in control. That is an experience that I have experienced many times in the last 40, almost 48 years I've been saved. But not enough. There's been too many times where I've not been spirit-controlled. I've not been spirit-filled. And I'm going to hazard a guess that you're in the same boat as me. That there's probably been times where you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. You felt so close to God. You felt that God was using you maybe in a certain situation. But there are few and far between, it seems, right? Why is that? Are we not allowed to have more experiences of being filled with the Holy Spirit? Are we only allowed to have one or two or three a year? Why can't we have more? Well, of course we can have more. We can have it every single day if we want. But I'll tell you, we have a built-in little mechanism called a forgetter. And this message that you're hearing now, inside you, you're going to be saying, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. I I should be filled more with the Holy Spirit. That's right. You know what's going to happen by tomorrow morning when you open your eyes and jump out of bed? You'll have forgotten. And that's why we don't have more Holy Spirit filling. It's because we forget. What we so many examples in Christian history of men and women who've been filled with the Holy Spirit of God and they've done and said amazing things. They've been able to overcome some pretty heavy temptations, not in their own strength, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. So many different stories and examples, but I think you get the idea. In Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, it says, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. 
God wants his work done in his power. God wants the Christian life lived in his power. Now remember, a couple weeks ago, platform truth. If we're going to live the victorious Christian life, we have to be able to recognize sin, repent of sin, reject the sin. You know, if you've got all kinds of means and ways of sinning in your home or in your life, then you're setting yourself up for defeat and failure and a fall. Just, it won't, you won't be able to experience victory. You've got to do a house cleaning. You've got to get rid of things. If you have any kind of witchcraft things, you know, maybe you've got some crystal ball, or maybe you've got the tarot cards, or maybe you've got some kind of voodoo little thing, you know, you thought it was a cute little keepsake and you've got that. You should get rid of that stuff. Get rid of that. God is not in that stuff. Uh, the devil is in that kind of thing. Um, maybe you need to do a house cleaning on your computer. Maybe there's something else in your home that's just not pleasing to the Lord. You need to get rid of that stuff. If you got any ethyl in a bottle, a little genie in a bottle, <laughs> pour her down the sink. Get rid of it. I, I would even go as far as to say the... Um, the lotto tickets. You say, oh, what's satanic about the lotto? What's godly about the lotto? All the lotto does is take our dependency off of God. What we're saying is, I love you, God, but I don't really trust you that much to meet all my needs. So I got this plan B going. And I've, every week I play my lucky numbers. You know, it's just a matter of time, God, before my ship's going to come in and I'm going to get a big boatload of cash. And don't worry, God, you'll get your share too. <laughs> oh, I'm sure that that comforts God's heart. God is not in the lotto. He wants us to provide things honestly and he wants to be our provider. Anyhow, I'm not here to talk about the lottos. I'm here to talk about something far, far better. And that is this wonderful, amazing Holy Spirit filling. Now turn to the right, to the book of Galatians. Almost back to to Ephesians, but Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Now one thing that we all suffer with, of course, is um, the world and the flesh and the devil. They're, they're at us constantly. We're constantly being tempted. We're being bombarded all the time with advertising to go and purchase things that aren't good for us or trust in other things. We're always being tempted and often we give in in these little areas and we, we um, experience defeat. Well, here in Galatians chapter 5, this is an amazing promise. It's like a bomb, if you will, to blow up a lot of the bad stuff. Galatians chapter Five, and I want you to read out loud with me verse number 16. 5 and 16. Read it with me now. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. This is the promise of, of, of Almighty God. It's, it's in the Greek language. It's a double negative. 
And what it does is it super duper compounds the truth that if you and I will walk in the Spirit, there is no way, Jose, there is no way possible that we can fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's impossible. If you're having a struggle with some sin, a lust of the flesh, it, it, lust of the flesh isn't always just a sexual thing. Lust of the flesh can be anything to do with the flesh. It could be too much sleep. Sleep is good, but too much is not good. It could be food. Food is good, but too much isn't, isn't good. It could be the wrong kinds of food, the kind that you should only have just a little bit of, like a little bit of spice is nice. But if you took a handful of spice and started to uh, swallow that, it wouldn't be so nice. What was it they did a few years ago? The cinnamon challenge. Is, did I get that right? They take a tablespoon, was it, of cinnamon or a teaspoon? Does anyone know? Has anyone done it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, tell us about it. <laughs> tablespoon. All right. You're uh, supposed to swallow it. Is that right? Yeah. Did it come out your nose? Yeah. Yeah. It usually... <laughs> I think that... I've seen a YouTube clip, I saw a TikTok or something, what do they call it, of someone doing this, and this big cloud came out of their nostrils. You know, it looks so freaky, <laughs> the uh, cinnamon challenge. But we struggle with uh, the flesh, the world and the devil. And by the way, I'm not saying the, the cinnamon thing is of the devil, although it's not very healthy. <laughs> but how are we going to overcome how are we going to do it? You might say, I've got this particular sin and it gets me down every time. I start getting tempted. And before you know it, you know, for some people, it could be, um, it could be um, a jealousy. For some people, it could be greed. Hmm? For some people, it could be anger. You know, and they know they got a short fuse and they feel it coming on, you know. How am I going to overcome it? I've tried, I've tried. And I've repented and it just, it happens to me. Here's your answer right here. It has to do with the filling of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit has filled you, you're walking in the Spirit. There is no possible way on earth you can fulfill the lust of the flesh. It just cannot happen. That's good news. That's wonderful news. We need to be Spirit-filled. And we need to close up the gaps we need to get in the habit. Maybe write notes to ourselves in the morning. You know, ask to be spirit-filled. Take a, a rock or something and put it in your pocket. So through the day, oh, there's that rock. Oh, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Being filled with the spirit does not mean that you're going to be able to leap high buildings, catch bullets in your teeth, huh? pick up the end of a locomotive, it doesn't mean anything like that. It means that you're going to walk close with the Lord. You're going to feel the uh, fruit of the Spirit, which is in this same chapter. If you just go down to verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. There's nine of them there. You're going to experience that a whole lot more. You're going to have a lot more peace, tranquility in your life. You're going to have better desires of your heart. 
You're going to watch the, the Lord open certain doors and close certain doors and the Holy Spirit is going to tell you when to go and when to wait. God is also going to open doors of um, uh, being able to talk to people about the gospel, inviting them to church even. There's going to be all kinds of wonderful things happen like this when your Holy Spirit filled and controlled. And so, just as a person can be controlled by alcohol, something's in them making them behave that way. Likewise, something's in us. Someone is in us. And that's the Holy Spirit. And we need to let him control us. Holy Spirit, what's your opinion? What is your opinion on this? You say, well, that sounds strange. I'm not sure I've ever prayed like that before. Well, maybe it's time to start. The Lord Jesus told us in John chapter 14 what the Holy Spirit would do for us. He said in verse 26, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So the Holy Spirit is able to bring things to your remembrance. First, I think you've got to learn them. That's where Bible reading comes in. We're going to talk about that on another Wednesday. But the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, is our teacher. So let's ask the teacher. Huh, what should I do here? I've got curtain A I can choose or curtain B. Holy Spirit, what would you do if you were me? Actually, let me rephrase that. What should I do if I were you? Holy Spirit, what should I say in this situation? Someone's asking me a question. Holy Spirit, give me wisdom. Holy Spirit, I really think I need your help. I'm driving in the city of Surrey. There are over 500,000 licensed maniacs on this road here with me. I might be one of them. Holy Spirit, I need your help to get through that intersection. Oops, I've dropped something. It's so tiny. Holy Spirit, let me find it, if it be your will. You see, we can bring the Holy Spirit in at any point. And that's what we need to do. You need to bring the Holy Spirit in with you to work. When you go into work, it should be the Holy Spirit now doing this job. He can do your job way better than you can do your job. You see, I'm wearing this two-piece suit. Well, can you imagine these trousers if I wasn't in them and I was holding them up and then I took my hands off? You know what would happen to the trousers, right? Right? You do know, don't you? Okay. They would fall down. But you see, the trousers are not falling down, are they? I'm not holding them up. Okay? But they're not falling down because I'm in them. You have the Holy Spirit in you. And when He is not in control, you fall down. You are going to have a hard, hard time, my friend, trying to live a Christian life without the Holy Spirit in control. You've been given the Holy Spirit for a reason. God just doesn't give us things for no reason. You have the Holy Spirit for a reason. Let Him be in control. Learn to get in the habit 
of daily asking the Holy Spirit to be in control. Now, I go back to what I said earlier. The big problem is we got a little machine in there called a forgetter. And the forgetter seems to take over. You're listening to the message tonight, and inside your heart you're saying, yes, amen, boy, oh boy, that's for me. Tomorrow morning, unless you do something tonight, tomorrow morning, you're going to forget. You're going to get out of bed, and you're going to go, oh man, Ooh. oh, look how early it is. Oh, I got to get dressed, I got to go to work, I go to school. Oh, I think I'd just rather go back to bed. Totally forgotten. The Holy Spirit. He is able to overcome all the weaknesses of the flesh if we would keep putting him in control. And by the way, if you've got a stormy cloud on your horizon, if you've got a possible thunderstorm rolling into your life, you need to be Holy Spirit-led. He needs to be in control. He will give you peace in the midst of any storm. This was the secret of the great Christians. This was why others looked at them and said, ah, if I were you, I'd be going out of my mind. How come you're at such peace? Why is it you have joy? Look what you've just lost. And we're able to give a word of witness and say, well, I've received the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. He lives in my heart. He meets my needs. He's looking after me. You see, the unsaved people, they might not understand when you say, well, I've asked the Holy Spirit to fill me and the Holy One. (laughs) But when you say that you've asked the Lord Jesus into your heart, that's something they can better understand perhaps. Well, we're told in Ephesians 5 to be filled with the Spirit. And in the Greek language, that's a present tense verb. It means continual, over and over. We'll do it once and then we'll forget and maybe a month will go by and oh, and we'll do it again. Sometimes Christians go months and months and months. Year after year, maybe, with no Holy Spirit filling, no Holy Spirit controlling. That's a mistake. Let's, um, let's go back to Ephesians um, chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, we have some of the results of being Holy Spirit controlled. And they're wonderful results. In verse 19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Next is singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Verse 20, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. And after the word God, you have a period. You see, if you'll go back to verse 18, that's where the sentence begins. Look at the end of verse 18. You've got a semicolon. Look at the end of verse 19. It's still not finished. There's another semicolon. The end of verse 20, another semicolon. Finally, after verse 21, there's your period. You see, it's all connected. When you and I are Holy Spirit filled and controlled, look at all these wonderful things that are going to happen. But it doesn't stop there, really, Because now it goes on to the wives. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. I can't do that. No, maybe you can't, but the Holy Spirit sure can. When the Holy Spirit is in control of a wife's heart, she's able to do that. 
And if you look at verse 25, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. I can't do that. No, maybe you can't, sir, but the Holy Spirit can. And when he is in control, you can love your wife and, if need be, pay the ultimate sacrificial price. Look at chapter 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. I can't do that. No, kids, you can't, but God can. The Holy Spirit can. And if you will put him in control, he will do that. Look at verse uh, number Mm, four. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition. Again, the same argument. I can't do that. Holy Spirit can. Look at verse five. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters. What? You mean my boss at work? I can't submit. Yes, the Holy Spirit can do that too. And also, if you look, please, uh, I missed it there. Oh, maybe I missed. Oh, there it is. Verse nine. Here's the boss at work. Ye masters, do the same things unto them, forbearing, threatening. Ooh, I don't think I can do that. No, I guess you can't, but the Holy Spirit can. You get the idea, folks? The Holy Spirit can do the things we can't do. And if the Holy Spirit were in control of all of the Christians and the wives and the husbands and the children and the moms and the dads and the, the employees and the employers, we'd have heaven on earth. We'd have such a wonderful time. You can have heaven on earth in your home if everyone would just be Holy Spirit controlled. Well, it was Dr. R.A. Torrey, um, the great evangelist, Bible teacher. He worked, he was D.L. Moody's right-hand man. And Dr. Torrey said these words, to the extent that we understand and claim to ourselves the filling and power of the Holy Spirit, to that same extent, we will receive the power and filling of the Holy Spirit. In other words, according to your faith, be it unto you. And if you have a lot of faith in God's word tonight, to be Holy Spirit-filled, it will happen to you a lot. If you have a little bit of faith in God's Word to be Holy Spirit-controlled, then you'll have a little bit of Holy Spirit-filling. That's kind of how it, it plays out. So, we have to close now, but this second lesson on how to live the victorious Christian life, you see why we need to be Holy Spirit-filled? We're going to fail unless... He's in control. So I invite you now to bow your head and close your eyes and we'll have a word of prayer together. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.